So lonely people. Who, who do you think of uh, when you think or you hear about something like loneliness? Now, if you're a Beatles fan, you probably think about people like Eleanor Rigby, people who live alone or maybe people who don't have any friends. You know, many times when we think about loneliness, we think about older people uh, living all alone. I mean, how many times have you read it for yourself? You've seen a story in the newspaper or on the news uh, of somebody, maybe a person like John Burroughs Baird. Uh, he was 74, a uh, year old man living in New Zealand, found dead in his apartment last month, and no one had seen him for two months. And it was actually his pharmacist uh, who tipped off the police when uh, this man, when John Burroughs Baird, had failed to pick up his medication once again. And so when police uh, entered the apartment, they found Baird dead and discovered that he had been dead uh, for quite a while. But maybe that's not what you think of when you think of loneliness. I mean, when you think of loneliness, maybe you think of loners. Uh, You think of those who are socially awkward or those who intentionally choose to isolate themselves from everyone else. I mean, the, the truth is that there are lonely people all around us. I mean, in fact, I think there are even two kinds of people uh, present here in this room here with us uh, this morning. I mean, first, uh, there are those of you that when you heard we'd be talking about loneliness today, you just knew this topic was for you. Uh, Maybe you even worked hard to get somebody here with you because uh, maybe you just moved here. And so you're still trying to get to know some people in the community, or maybe you're going through a painful divorce right now. Uh, maybe you're lonely because you just broke up with a guy or you broke up with a girl or, or, or maybe you're single and, and you don't need to be reminded that you're single because your parents do that for you all the time. They remind you that you're single. I, I just know, I, I just really believe that we've got some people here today and you're lonely and, and maybe you're hurting and, and maybe you're afraid to tell anyone of what's really going on inside of your life right now. And so you just need the encouragement today that, that our God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, that he can overcome Uh, even something like loneliness uh, in your life. But secondly, I I think there are also people here today, some of you that maybe when you heard that we were talking about loneliness, you thought to yourself, okay, well, this obviously isn't for me. Like, you know, I I get to take the week off. I kind of get a pass here because I'm married and I've got kids and I got a lot of friends or something. But if, if that's what you're thinking and you're already kind of in preparation of excluding yourself from a message like this today, uh, before you do that, I, I just want to say that I really do believe that it's possible to have friends and to have a lot of them and to have people in your life and have family and to even be in a marriage right now and, and still be really lonely. Uh, I mean, you can be married and lonely. I, I'm willing to believe that the, some of the loneliest people right now living in our world and even in our room right now are in a marriage and and maybe even feel like you're trapped in something like a marriage because it's not going as planned. Psychiatrist and best-selling author M. Scott Peck says this about loneliness. He writes, trapped in our tradition of rugged individualism, we are an extraordinarily lonely people. I mean, we're so lonely and yet so prideful at the same time that we're not even willing to admit, you know, loneliness to ourselves, much less to anyone else. That's why I believe this message on loneliness in some way, shape, or form is really for all of us today. And so what I want to do today is I I want to talk to you how I believe that Jesus Christ is ultimately the solution to our loneliness, but at the same time how he can provide a path out of that loneliness. And and so if you've got your Bible, I'm going to invite you to take it uh, and turn to the first book in the Bible, to the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to tell you right up front that we're going to look at a bunch of different verses today and not just one in particular. Uh, And so if you can keep up, 
go with us. If you can't, we'll have the verses on the screen too. But I want to start and just spend a moment here with Genesis 2. Um, When God created people, He made us first and foremost to be in community with Him. I mean, we were created to worship and to bring glory to God. I mean, that's our purpose. But something interesting happened when God was creating the earth that even after He looked at everything that He had created, all of the mountains and all of the forests and all of the seas, everything that He created in creation and declared it good, there was still one thing that wasn't good. And why wasn't it good? Because it wasn't complete yet. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we read just that. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. And then it continues, I will make a helper helper suitable for him. Now, I know we've read this verse before, and we've been taught that this verse is all about marriage, and we've been trained to believe that it is for marriage, and it's true. I mean, I believe this verse is for marriage, and the following verses are really very foundational for us as followers of Jesus as they clearly define marriage as a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. But while it's about marriage, still at the very core of this statement is a fundamental truth that God sees for each of us. And that is that it's not good for anyone to be alone. I mean, we are social creatures. We have been created as these social creatures. And that that doesn't mean that we all don't need some time to ourselves once in a while. I mean, I know that I sure need time like that. But at at the heart of these words from Genesis is this. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But it's just this truth that people need people. I mean, we were created for one another. I mean, we were created for each other. And that is God's plan for us going all the way back to the very beginning of creation. But we all know that the world is no longer the way that God intended it to be. And that means that there is so much loneliness present in our world today and even in our community. And that's why I like what the rest of, uh, of what Scott Peck says about loneliness. Again, you remember he said that we are an extraordinarily lonely people. But if you continue, he says, but it doesn't have to be that way. Like, it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, there is a solution. There is a way out. There is a path out from our loneliness. And, and today, I, I believe that, that some of you are about to discover that God has a way out for you, that He has a path out of your loneliness. But the question is, and, and it's really a choice, is that will you take that path? I mean, will, will, will you really seek God and what He has in mind for you and how He has created us? And what I really believe His desire is, even for our church, for this community, that way, that path out of loneliness, you've got to make that decision for yourself. Um, we're, we're wrapping up this short two-week series called Overcome Today. We, we talked about how Jesus overcomes last week as a part of our Easter weekend. And the title comes right out of John 16, 33, right before Jesus was crucified, when he, he turned to his disciples. And in verse 33, John 16, 33, he says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, it's so important to remember when you read a verse like this that Jesus never, He never promised us a life free from anger, a life free from frustration and from pain. But what He did, what He did promise was a way to peace. And He provided and promised a way to hope. And what we said last week is that if Jesus can overcome death, then He can overcome anything that's going on in your life right now. And if you missed that message, I challenge you to pick up a copy, a CD back at the Info Hub, or you can go to our website and have a listen for yourself from last week's message. But what it means that Jesus can overcome anything is that, well, He is more than capable of overcoming the loneliness, the challenge and the problem of loneliness in your life right now. 
And believe it or not, Jesus knows loneliness. I mean, he knows it personally. And maybe that's some sort of a shock to you that the Son of God, the Savior of the world, that this man with 12 disciples would be lonely. But think about it. I mean, he knows what it means to be despised, to be rejected and betrayed. As Isaiah 53, 3 says, it says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him with low esteem. He was a lonely man. Or think about it like this. I mean, the first time that Jesus ever taught publicly in his hometown, I mean, do you know that the religious leaders of the day, they tried to take him up and throw him off a cliff? I mean, it's true. In Luke chapter 4, verse 28 and 29, it says, All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. I mean, you know, this is what they intended to do, but Jesus got away. I mean, talk about rejection. Talk about some personal loneliness. I mean, they want to to throw him off a cliff. Kind of reminds me of a video that popped up on Facebook a little while back. I don't know if you saw this or not, but about a guy who was trying to help his girlfriend overcome her fears. Check this out. That video makes my hands sweat when I watch it. I think that guy needs some loneliness for a while, don't you? I mean, he, he deserves, you know, some loneliness like that. But Jesus knows loneliness, you know, and later in life he was teaching on another occasion and scripture tells us in John 6, uh, verse 66, it says, from this time many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And can you imagine the disappointment of watching all these men and women walk away? I mean, when the time came for Jesus to be arrested, to be tried and killed, you know, his best friends, the disciples couldn't even stay awake to encourage him to be with him, to comfort him throughout the night. Later, you know, one of his 12 disciples, one of the closest, not not one of the closest, betrayed him, but another, one of the closest, denied him three times in one night. And finally, the historian Mark records that moments before Jesus died on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me to myself in this darkest moment? Does Jesus know loneliness? You bet he knows loneliness. And let me tell you why I think and believe that's important. Because it helps you see that it doesn't mean that your loneliness necessarily means that something's wrong with you. I mean, Jesus was a perfect man and he lived a perfect life and even he experienced loneliness. I I remember a time in my life when I experienced loneliness. I mean, just after I graduated from high school, um, I made the decision to stay home for the first two years of college and uh, attend a local community college and just glorified high school really is what it was, but uh, it was cheap and uh, my routine was pretty much the same every day. Just get up and drive to school and sit through a bunch of boring lectures and when the day was over from there straight to work and after work straight home, eat some dinner, do some homework back to bed and it was just kind of the same thing over and over again every day and sure during that time I had my family and I had my parents and and my sisters but I I think what I needed more than anything at that particular time in my life were some close relationships and some friendships and and they really just weren't there and I I didn't have a girlfriend and so for me looking back I mean it was a really lonely season in my life Jesus knows loneliness I mean, he is more than familiar, and, and we all know some, uh, some loneliness to, to some degree. And so if you're lonely today, I mean, if you claim that for yourself, I guess my question for you is this, that will you allow Jesus to help you overcome with your loneliness? 
I mean, will you allow him to do that for you? Because he not only loves you, but because he has experienced loneliness, I believe that he wants to help you overcome that in your life too. And he wants to guide us down right paths so that we can overcome any pain of loneliness that is associated with our lives. But if we're going to allow Jesus to do that, if we're going to give him that room, if we're going to give him that permission to work in us in that way, the first thing that we need to do is ask if there is anything, is there a step that we have to take on our own? And and so the, the best thing that I believe that any of us could ever do in any season, regardless of what it is in our lives, as you follow Jesus, is to make a daily effort. If you're taking notes to write this down, it means to make a daily effort to draw closer to God every single one of us to make this daily intentional effort to draw closer to God. And here's what we find. James chapter four, verse eight says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And what a promise. I mean, notice that it doesn't say that he might come near to you. Like if he's got some time or if you've been good enough or, you know, if you've got a track record, if you, if you can prove, you know, that you're really worth it or something, it doesn't say anything like that. It doesn't say that he might come near to you, but it says, if you draw near to our God. There is a promise there that he will draw near to you. Now, you might remember a few weeks back as we were in the story together, we talked about the wilderness and how as people, we all have these seasons in our life that resemble the wilderness. I mean, the wilderness that we read about in the Bible. And like it or not, as a Christian, you're going to spend time wandering in some valleys. You're going to spend time in the wilderness of life. And the late Henry Nouwen wrote about how our loneliness really, when you think about it, is a lot like the wilderness. And he speaks about the wilderness uh, in a very positive tone. Um, And he says this, that while the wilderness, you know, is a frightening place and it is a lonely place and it isn't necessarily where we want to be, if we allow him to, God can take that wilderness in your life and he can turn what now and calls, he can turn it into a garden of solitude. Like he, he can turn it into this great place. He He can turn it into a positive experience for you, a place where fruit comes out of it. Now, maybe you don't want to hear something like that because, you know, after all, when we're lonely and when we're hurting and when we're in the wilderness, I mean, the last thing that we want to think about is this fact that God can bring beauty out of it or something. I mean, we don't want beauty coming out of our loneliness. We just want out of the loneliness, right? I mean, we want him to get us through it and get it on to get us onto a different place. But but maybe what God wants to get out of your loneliness is really a closer relationship to Him, a greater need and a greater desire for Him because too often we just we view God as some sort of consolation prize for us. And, and so if you're single, you know, you'll have people tell you, well, at least you have God. Or when you go through a tough time, like in a breakup or in a divorce, I mean, we finally start to lean on God during those moments. And that's great. I mean, He is always there for us. That is the promise. But what God wants us to see in our loneliness and in and out of our loneliness is that our primary relationship should always be found in Him. That we should look to Him first for all of our needs in our life. Because our lives work best when we put God at the very center. And sometimes you've got to go through the wilderness in order to understand and experience something just like that. I, I want to share a story with you uh, about someone from our Noblesville campus and how he encountered a really faithful God, a present God, through a difficult season in his life. Uh, this is Matt's story. Hi, my name is Matt Harrington, and this is my story.
My story really starts about eight years ago. I was in college, found a girl, and we dated for about two, uh, about two and a half years, got engaged. June 2nd, 2007, we got married. Right after we graduated, we were, we were happy. We loved each other. We loved the Lord. We spent a lot of time together. We enjoyed each other's company. About four years later, things just started changing. I came to find out, um, surprisingly, that there was some people involved in my marriage that I didn't realize were in my marriage. And uh, about a little over a year ago, my wife walked away. She told me that she didn't love me anymore. She told me that she didn't want to be married to me anymore. And she walked away, and it all came crashing down. It was a, definitely the, the darkest valley that I've ever even imagined. It wasn't how I saw my life going. It wasn't how I saw our marriage going. It wasn't what the Lord wanted for our marriage. But it was His design for my story. Throughout this process of the last year or so, um, there's been many times where I've questioned whether God was still a part of my story, whether this was something that I could even overcome. When you hit rock bottom, you usually you either are drawn away from God or you draw closer to God. And when I hit rock bottom, I really found myself being drawn closer to God and into a deeper relationship with Him. God has been so faithful to me in this process, whether it's bringing a scripture to mind or it's a friend or a family member that's reached out and, and just passed on a word of encouragement. One of the ways that God has helped me um, overcome my loneliness is through Genesis Church and through the community of believers that are a part of this church. And just people that I can share life with, people that will come alongside and, and put their arm around me and encourage me um, through what I've been going through. Through the power of God's Word and the love of God's people and the love of Jesus, God has helped me overcome heartache and rejection and loneliness. If you're lonely today, um, let me ask you this. Have you taken the time to ask God to meet you in your loneliness? Just really specifically. I mean, to ask God, to invite God to meet you in your loneliness. Again, because as James 4, 8 says, it says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And, and we've got to be careful there because it doesn't mean that he's absence, or absent. It's not a, a problem with his presence in any way. I mean, what it really is, is it's a problem with my presence. Uh, it's a problem with my awareness of him. And, and with these words, James reminds us that there are things that you can do. There are things that we can do to draw near to God. And that means in inviting him. That begins with inviting God uh, to into your loneliness. And you don't have to be a super spiritual person to do this. I mean, this, this could be your first time here today. But to invite God uh, to come in and to meet you in your loneliness, it, 
It can mean something as simple as every time you wake up each day, just ask God to be present with you in your day or to talk to Him while you go on a run or talk to Him while you go on a walk or to talk to Him while you're driving. I mean, just to pray, uh, to seek Him in our prayers, to meditate on His character and what the Bible says for Him. I'll tell you, for me, uh, reading the Bible and even just taking the time to read the Bible verse by verse, I have found it to be so encouraging and so helpful and so refreshing for me. And it, it helps me in overcoming my fears and my anxiety and in my loneliness. And, and that's why I believe it's just another reason why reading along with us in the story can be so helpful for you. Again, just do it this week. Just jump in, even if you haven't started, and read chapter 8 or read the chapters that are listed in your worship program with us. Uh, again, if you fell off or you never got started, just jump on in because, you know, reading along with us through the story isn't about just something that you can check off your list and say, well, I did it. But every day, every time when you read, just just pray a prayer as you start or as you read along and just ask God, do you have something specific for me in this reading today? Again, do it. I, I believe that God wants to bless you through it. He wants to speak to us through it. And the point is this, though. It's just this practice of offering your loneliness to God. And just making that a daily prayer. And then just look for the beauty that He can bring out of it. I mean, offer your loneliness to God and, and ask Him to be with you in it. And, and as the verse says, as the promise is there for us, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. He will come close to you. Now, there's another step that I believe that we can take in this process of overcoming loneliness. Um, first and foremost and most important is drawing close to God. But the second thing is just get connected with others. I mean, this sounds like a no-brainer, right? I mean, that, that's just what you do. I mean, we all know, though, that it, it's harder than it sounds to get connected to other people. I mean, it, if it were that easy, I mean, there really wouldn't be that much loneliness. There's a great book uh, written by a guy by the name of John Ortberg called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And uh, in that book, Ortberg writes this. He says, sometimes in church circles, when people feel lonely, they are told not to expect too much from human relationships that there is inside every human being a God-shaped void that no person can fill. That is true. But he writes, But God also creates inside us a human-shaped void, and no substitute will fill this need in you for human relationship. Not money, not achievement, not busyness, not books, not even God Himself. Community is what you were created for. It is God's desire for your life. Have you ever heard anything like that? A human-shaped void inside of all of us? Now, I know that some of you might be thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I get that. Or I'll, I'll admit to something like that. I'm lonely, and I'm lonely because I can't find the right relationship or I can't find the right group of people or the right church or the right friends or uh, the right family that I wish that I had. But the question is, are we open to community on God's terms? I mean, because our culture, and one of the things that our culture is saying today is that you, you have to have a marriage, and you have to have kids, and you have to have a family. And so the single people assume that they have to get married in order to overcome their loneliness. And then at the same time, the married people that are lonely assume that they've got to go out and find a new marriage in order to overcome that loneliness that's present in their life. Somebody once said that marriage is kind of like house flies on a screen door. I mean, the ones on the outside want in and the ones on the inside are always wanting out. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that the path out of loneliness is marriage and family. Now, there's nothing wrong with marriage and family, of course, but the Bible doesn't say that it's this guaranteed only way solution out of loneliness. 
In fact, there's an interesting situation recorded in the book of Mark about Jesus and his interaction with his family and some others in Mark chapter 3, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, and standing outside they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. He responded, Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, what's Jesus saying? Is he really saying that, you know, there's nothing important about your biological family? No, he's not saying that at all. But what he's doing is he's challenging his followers. He's expanding their understanding of the family. And he's telling us that our closest bonds often will be with those that we share the most in common with. And for those of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ, that means being in community with other people who share that same relationship with Jesus too. It's your church. And so here's what I want to do, just as kind of a simple exercise, if you would, and if everyone would just participate for a moment, just look around you for a moment. I know it'll be awkward and uncomfortable if somebody looks you in the eyes, but just take a moment. Now, everybody turn around and look at the person behind you. And that's weird because if you do that, you're looking at the back of their head, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the way that it works or something. But this is your family. Or this could be your family. And my question for you today is, do you know them? Like, have you taken the time to get to know the people around you, the people that call this community, they call this church, they're home. I mean, it's why here at Genesis Church we talk a lot about connection groups because we believe that connection groups are a great next step. They're a great way to get to know other people at Genesis. And, and if you're not aware what connection groups are, most of our connection groups are made up of a dozen or so people who get together regularly, get together weekly or a couple of times a month and share meal together, share food together, watch a big game together, uh, talk about some of the things that we're talking about here on Sunday mornings, uh, pray for each other. It's a way of getting to know each other's families. I just want to tell you today, if you're not in a group, I want to challenge you to get in a group. Again, we, we believe it's one of the best steps that you can take, you know, outside of coming to worship here on Sundays as a way of getting to know others at Genesis. And you can do that. We've got a couple of groups listed today on our website if you're in our worship program uh, that are new, that are just getting started. We'd, we'd encourage you to check out one of those. Uh, go to our website today. We've got a number of groups that are meeting and some of those groups that are open uh, that you could jump in on. I, I want to challenge everybody to get connected in some way. If you're in high school, get connected with our high school group. If you're in middle school, you ought to get connected with our middle school group. I mean, we were created for each other. And, and maybe you're sitting here today thinking, well, I don't really need it. I've got enough going on in my life right now. But maybe somebody else needs you to get connected and get involved so that they can get involved and they can get connected to others. But don't let it stop there. I, I want to challenge even in this, just as you think about what this might look like on a Sunday, I want to challenge you to come early. And to stay late and as often as you can to avoid rushing in and rushing out and get to know others around you. I mean, I, I know when we do that little handshake time, I mean, that only lasts about 30 seconds. It's not like you can, you know, change someone's life forever. But I mean, it, it's just a reminder of, hey, how important this is to us. And we don't want to just march in with our heads down and then march right out. But I mean, what does it mean to be intentional about getting to know others at Genesis? I, I had uh, dinner with a college student one of our many college students that drive over here from places like Anderson. And we had dinner a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me how much he loves his church. And I just said, you know, it's crazy to me that you'll drive 30, 35 minutes every Sunday morning. He said, hey, I love this church. But he says, I've got to be real honest with you. He goes, I'd, I'd sure like to know the church. 
You know, he says, I'd sure love, and I know the distance makes that difficult, but even through Sunday morning of just the opportunity to get to know others outside of my own age group, and and so outside of college students, if I could put that back on some of you, have you taken the time to get to know some of our college students, and, and what would it look like? And I know the school year is coming to an end, but even as, you know, we get through this year and into next fall, we see many of our students come back to invite them over to your home and uh, to get to know them, to share a meal with them. What, what would that look like? I mean, for every single one of us to just make it a practice to get to know others. Well, maybe you say, well, I'm just not a people sort of a person. Well, just try it, you know. In fact, I'd like to give you this really specific challenge. We've got, what, a few weeks left in the month of April. I'd like to challenge you very specifically just as a way of getting to know others, of getting connected to others, and keeping this place as small as possible because we are growing. Is Would you share a meal with someone? This month, maybe somebody that you don't know or haven't really gotten to know yet. Um, and maybe, well, I don't like to cook. You know, I well, great, go out, to a, go out for a meal with them, whether it be after one of our Sunday morning services or a night that you pick during the week. I, I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to challenge every one of you to do that, to, to have someone over for a meal or to share a meal with somebody that you don't know. But let's just make it this practice to get to know one another so that we can all uh, get connected here. I, I'll tell you that one of the things that really drew Jenny and I to this church, you know, four and a half years ago was the friendliness of this place. I, I really believe it's one of the things that makes this church so special. I'll tell you, though, as we grow, that's going to get more and more challenging to maintain that friendliness. And so we're all going to have to be very proactive in that. And so I want to challenge you to be proactive in that, to get to know others around you here on a Sunday morning, to jump in and get involved with one of our groups, to invite people to share a meal with you, uh, to share an evening with you or something. And you might just find that what a difference it'll make, not only in somebody else's life, but maybe in your life, in your own life, too. So uh, draw closer to God, uh, get connected with others. Uh, Finally, uh, never give up understanding, discovering, or seeking to understand God's purpose for your life. Uh, I think in your notes it goes something like this, discover your purpose, because God has a purpose for you. Uh, Everyone here today, I mean, He has a plan and He's got a great will for your life. And one of the things that I think we do is we often mistake loneliness for lack of purpose. I mean, we'll interchange those because when we're not carrying out the mission that we're designed to accomplish on this earth, we feel incomplete. We feel like that there is something missing. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul writes it like this. He says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, those words mean that every life, every life born, every life unborn uh, matters to God. That God created each life with a purpose, that He formed your life to live out a purpose for Him and a plan on this earth. He created us, as the Scripture says here, to do good works. Now, what does that mean? Well, these good works mean that we were created by God with gifts and abilities to carry out the mission of God on this earth. And, And so God has given you certain talents. He has given you certain passions so that you can be a blessing not only to Him, but that you can be a blessing to others on this earth. Now that means that we are more alive. We are never more alive. We are never more fulfilled than when we are doing what we were created to do. And and that's why all the time here at Genesis Church, we challenge you that if you call Genesis your church to get involved by serving in some way. In fact, we'll say that at some point you've got to get off the bench and get into the game in order to really call Genesis your church. And Uh, So we'd love to help you do that because we believe that not only one is it fulfilling and rewarding, but at the same time, I mean, there's nothing like serving 
with other people. I mean, there's nothing like serving alongside of someone else. I mean, I love serving with others. I, I love serving with our staff team here at Genesis Church. We've got an incredible team. We love serving together. I, one of the things that I love to do is to get out of this room on a Sunday morning before the preaching time and just kind of wander around and see people serving together, whether that be in a classroom or at the doors or out in the parking lot or something like that. Um, are you serving somewhere? I mean, have you gotten connected in that way? I mean... Now, maybe you'd say, well, I don't know the right place to start or, or where to serve. Okay, coming up next Saturday, and you can read about this a little bit more in your worship program, we're going to be offering a class here at Genesis that we call Network. And it's a class that's uh, designed to help you discover the gifts that God has given you and how you might best put those to use. And Network is taught and led, led by a great team of volunteers. And again, there's information in your worship program about how you can get signed up to be a part of that next Saturday. And again, there's just a couple of great things to come out of it. One, you'll discover your own purpose or at least begin that process of understanding how God has created you. But the second is that you get to do it with other people. And it's just another way of getting to know others. And remember, when you serve, you don't just get to carry out God's purpose and plan for your life, which is very fulfilling. But at the same time, you get to know others and there really is nothing better than working alongside of someone else to accomplish the mission of our church. And so um, there's an action step in here for you today. And I know that in many ways it might be just a very practical message, but what does it mean for you to draw closer to God? Every single one of us can do that. Uh, what does it mean for you to walk away from here today and say, you know, I, I need to take a step in order to get connected to others at Genesis or, you know, I'm going to attend something like Network or I'm going to sign up for one of the teams so that I can serve alongside of someone else. I mean, I, I believe any one of these or all of these are just a part of that work that God wants to do in each of us to help us overcome our loneliness. And the question is, will, will you invite him in on that? I mean, will you make the choice uh, to walk that path with him. And, and let me just say this before we wrap up. You know, while I believe that Jesus um, can help us overcome our loneliness, I want to be clear about something, that I don't think um, your loneliness or my loneliness will ever be completely undone in this life. And I think we have to learn to, to be a little okay with that. I mean, here's what I mean. I, I have a wife who loves me. Um, I have three incredible kids. I've got a great connection group that I'm a part of. I'm a, I have a very fulfilling job and ministry. But I'm still lonely. And, and I've had plenty of other pastors along the way tell me that leading a church is one of the most loneliest things that you will ever do in this world. And, and that may be true, but, but for you... I, I just believe that there is a certain level of loneliness that comes with living in a broken world. And, and so what that loneliness does for me and just kind of the part of the walk that I'm taking with Jesus Christ is that it, well, it leaves me wanting more of Him. And it leaves me hungry for more of Him. And it just, it reminds me that even in my times alone, um, that when I'm completely focused on Him and when I'm seeking Him through something like prayer or just being quiet with Him or in reading my Bible, that, that that's essential for my life. It, it can be one of the most fulfilling times in my life. And, but I'm also reminded that in my loneliness as a Christian that this world is not my home. And as the Bible says, that I'm a temporary resident on this earth because as a follower of Jesus, ultimately my citizenship is with Him in heaven. Will you pray with me?
as we pray today, I, I guess I just want to give you a moment and, and maybe lead into this moment by asking you this question. Are you lonely today? Uh, maybe because you're living life alone, maybe because you've lost somebody that you love. 